Kingway, Fox, Beardlock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Tita's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, August 17, 2023. Welcome to episode 553. That's right, 553. 53 episodes of Trek Talking. Can you believe it? Wow. Incredible. Anyways, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I'm coming to you live from the deck at my camp in the lovely Saratoga Springs, New York. So if you hear my dog bark or my wife or something in the background, I apologize. I'm sitting on my deck at camp. It's the first day we've had where it's not raining. I know you find that hard to believe, but it's not raining. So I'm going to take advantage of this lovely weather and I'm going to sit outside to do the podcast. Um, As of right now, we have 128,017 downloads of this podcast. So thank you so much for making that happen. And 157,858 followers on our Facebook page. I'd love to see that crack 160,000. So let's make that happen. Thanks so much, guys. And before I get too far, I'd like to go around and introduce you to my awesome Trek Spurts. And we'll start off with David, who's not in Portland tonight. How you doing tonight, David? Uh, you know, just waiting around for the pizza, babysitting. I got a job going on right now, so <laughs> doing pretty good. Wait, wait, you're you're the pizza guy tonight, and not the donut guy? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I can put donuts on a pizza, though. Would that make you happy? David the pizza guy. Okay, we we can go with that. I guess that works. I think I'm sensing a a food theme here with David, so maybe he's just David the food guy. David the food guy. There you go. He's the food guy. Well, we also have from Portland, we have our very own Paul, and he's not the food guy. He's the toy guy. How are you doing tonight, Paul? I had a strange week and did lots of things that were crazy. You can bet that this weekend I'll be quite content to be lazy. But why are we singing? Apologies. I don't know why. That was very odd. I don't know what came over me, Jim. That was very unusual, very uh, strange. But I'm well. I'm here. It's that subspace 
rift that's right above us. It's got to be. Yeah, there's a there's a fold, and usually the fold is in you know some article of clothing, but we'll leave that go. So let's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let that go and move on, shall we? Okay, we'll move on. And we also Thanks, have Jim. joining us live from Portland, our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Well, Jim, I kind of feel like it might be time to change my paradigm if I could just let go of the wheel. So uh, tonight I got a plan to drink 40 ounces of water during the podcast. <laughs> Let's just call it the the water bucket challenge. The water bucket challenge. <laughs> and we also have with us, not from Portland, but from Las Vegas, our very own Charles. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. It's a warm day today, but I guess I'm going to feel like Uncle Jim does with the rain. We got a visitor, surprising rarity, of a visitor heading towards us this weekend. Uh, here comes uh, the rift that are known as Hurricane Hillary. It's hitting Mexico. Wow. It's going to come right through Southern California oh. and right up the freeway to Vegas. Ah, West Coast hurricane. Weird. Yes. Wow. Well, it's not raining here, so I'm happy. And I believe we also might have our very own Andy Bray with us. Andy, are you here? Yes, I am here. I wouldn't miss it. Woo! Excellent. Excellent. It wouldn't be a singing episode without you, Andy. <laughs> I've been stripping my warm honey and doing my vocal warm-ups, preparing for this. Oh, awesome. Does, does, does Pavel sing, by chance, in Russian? Oh, he's so jealous that Strange New Worlds got a musical episode and TOS never got a musical episode. He's really pissed at Spock, by the way. Spock got to sing and never let the rest of the, the Kirk's crew sing. He, he doesn't think that's fair at all. That's Spock and Uhura. Well, Uhura sang on TOS. But no one ever let Pavel sing. Mm. You know, that's, we, we got to start a petition. According to Pavel, are a Russian invention. <laughs> that's true. A little old lady invented that in yeah. Leningrad. Well, guys, in case you hadn't figured it out, um, we're going to be talking about Strange New World, Subspace Rhapsody. Yes, the musical episode. Yes, we're going to be talking about that tonight in great length and great detail. So if uh, you're interested in that, please, 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 please let your fingers do the walking and call track talking. We will be live for the next two hours, and the phone number here is 646-668-2433. Three, give us a call and let us know what you thought about Subspace Rhapsody. But before we do that, every week I put a post up on our Facebook page on Friday, you know, afternoon-ish, and I ask you guys, our Facebook fans, what you thought about this week's episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and in this case it would have been two weeks ago's episode of Subspace Rhapsody. And uh, to score the episode on a scale of 1 to 10, and uh, we tabulate those scores, and then I pick some lucky listeners, and we read your comments off on the air. Um, But while you're on our Facebook page telling us what you thought about the episode, you can also drop by and let us know where you're listening from. If you do so, make sure you leave lots of emojis for Uncle Jim, because that attracts my eye. Because when I read through a thousand comments that say Joe from New Jersey and 
you know, Jack from Oklahoma. Um, I want to catch my attention. So leave me some emojis and uh, you'll probably be picked for a fan shout. If you see a heart next to your name from Uncle Jim, that means you have been chosen for a fan shout out. And Eric, would you like to get us started with our fan shout out this week? Would I ever. We are going to spin that globe, and we're going to say hello and kapla to Antal Gabor, who is saying hello to us from Hungary. Greetings. Uh, live long and prosper to you, and thanks for saying hello to us. We're also saying hello to top fan John Calder this week, who's saying hello to us all the way from Kuwait. Also sends a Kuwaiti flag our way. Thanks, John, for saying hello and top fan status means that you interact with us a lot on our Facebook page, and we always appreciate that fan interaction. It's really kind of one of the things that our podcast is all So uh, you can call us up. That's why you, uh, you love our uh, you know, AM slash FM quality audio here, because you can call us and you can't call the other podcasts. So come on. Hello this week as well to top fan Christopher Parker, who is, of course, saying hello to us from Cairn, Australia. Hello, Christopher. Live long and prosper to you. And top fan Helmer Victor, I'm going to guess that's actually Victor Helmer maybe, is saying hello to us from Brazil in South America. You guys have one hell of a soccer team and uh, many other cool things about your amazing country. I would like to pass this big fan shout out and megaphone over to Charles now, who I believe is going to bring it back stateside. Is that correct, Charles? Yes, I am. Let's start off with top fan Olga Mays from Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Olga. Top fan Susan Killenberg from Wichita, Kansas. <clears throat> Welcome, Susan. Top fan Amy Kerberger Lopez from Maryland. And top fan Stephen Cook from England. Since Dave's not here on his computer. Rhea Copeland from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome. And finally on my list, Michael Jennings from San Jose, California. Oh, great place to be, Michael. Pass his megaphone over to Paul. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it, brother. First of all, I'd like to give a great big Trek talking hello and thank you to Melinda Toth in Northwest Ohio here in the United States. Fantastic to hear from you, Melinda, and thanks for being a fan of Star Trek and the show. Likewise, a big shout out to Brian Sarovsky in New Jersey. Now, that's a vast piece of real estate there, Brian. I can understand maybe wanting to be a little anonymous about where in New Jersey you live, but uh, I don't know if it's Cherry Hill. I don't know if it's Bayonne. I don't know where you hang your hat, but I'm just glad you're a fan and that you're hanging out with us here at Trek Talking. So good to hear from you, sir. Top fan Harald Kuyos from uh, Karlsruhe, Germany is saying hello. Always great to hear from fans across the globe, and Harold is uh, saying hello. Again, like Eric said, top fan means you interact with us a bunch. You interact with us from the kitchen, you interact with us from the driveway. Sometimes you even interact with us from the bathroom, but we won't go there. Right, Harold? Okay. Whatever happens in uh, Karlsruhe stays in Karlsruhe. And uh, top fan Jay Terrace is saying hello to us from uh, Reading, England, but currently not residing in Reading. Uh, currently living in Gibraltar. 
over on the coast, but still a top fan, right, Jay? Fantastic to hear from you. And then we've got top fan David Lays in Belgium flashing us that uh, live long and prosper sign. So always great to hear. We've got like top fans lined up from here to breakfast, it seems today. So wonderful to hear from everybody. And not too far away from Jay and, uh, and David, we've got Alice Mullen, who is uh, letting us know that Alice is from Belfast in Northern Ireland and has got, apparently really took uh, Jim's use those emojis uh, advice to heart because I can't even count how many Irish flags and shamrocks and hearts and live long and prosper signs that Alice is flashing at us here. And uh, it's a plethora. Just trust me, so many. Uh, you'll be living long and prospering from here till you know doomsday. With, it's like some kind of optical illusion. There are so many. Emojis. It is. It's practically animated. <laughs> Alice has used so many emojis. And if you've never been selected for this wonderful segment of the show, folks, take a take a lesson from Alice and just emoji the hell out of your comments to us. And uh, pretty much guaranteed, you're going to get on the air and have one of us chat away with you but uh it's always just great to be reminded that uh, star trek is a global phenomenon and no matter what hemisphere we find ourselves we all share that enthusiasm together isn't that right uncle jim absolutely and emojis will definitely get my attention uh i read so many comments on the facebook page and so many things that i look for stuff different and something that's unusual and when i see alice flashing 500 emojis uh, that gets my attention. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. And if you guys want to be mentioned, you know, like Paul said, just catch my attention with emojis. Well, you can send donuts too, but emojis work pretty well. All right. So I want to say thank you to top fan uh, Lance B. Rubin, who's listening to us in East Meadow, Long Island, New York. Thank you for being a top fan, Lance, and kapwa. We also want to say thank you and live long and prosper to another top fan, Eddie Sopuva, who is in New York City, the Bronx, down where our good buddy Ray hangs out, right around Yankee Stadium. Thank you, Eddie, for being a top fan. I have another top fan I want to say thank you and kapwa to, Carolyn Hahn, who's listening to us in Arizona right here in the U.S. of A., and uh, last, but definitely not least, we want to say kapla and live long and prosper to Thor Asmus. And he says that he's from Chrono originally, but now he resides in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. And uh, he says, yeah, I know where Eric is with a little emoji. And uh, That's way Eric, down south, you know, man. Myrtle Creek, you know that's what that all is, the way Eric? near France. Yeah. Yeah, that's between Roseburg and Canyonville, man. That's like uh, four hours south-ish, something like that. Yeah, he just probably runs over to Crater Lake just for exercise, you know. Cause oh, it's so such a beautiful area. <laughs> I bet you, uh, does David send him out for donuts? <laughs> maybe. Or maybe that's, maybe. Maybe, maybe that's David's pizza guy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys, so that's our fan shout-outs, and now it's time to talk about an incredibly fun, incredibly entertaining episode. As I said already, you can go to our Facebook page and tell us what you thought about the episode. Give it a score of 1 to 10. And, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Subspace Rhapsody? 
Well, Jim, it's looking pretty good this week. Top fan Margaret Gavero said a 10 because this cast can sang, and they put their hearts and souls into this episode. It was fun. The writers are geniuses. Dario Shinzan Zanet gave it an 11, which we, of course, on the podcast always average down to a 10 because it's fun, because it's heartbreaking, because the songs are great and the voices even more great. Because it's fascinating. Thank you, Dario. Lee Wheel says, definitely a 10. I enjoyed every single second. The songs matched the character development. It moved at a brisk pace. The Klingons were hilarious. It was perfect. Smiley face. Thanks, Lee. Deborah King gave it a 10. Brilliant. Advanced character development and plot provided an Easter egg or two. Showcased some amazing voices and worked hard at supporting who really aren't triple threats so they could turn in performances they could be proud of oh deborah thank you and generally taught something about the value of musical theater deborah uh that's a 12 comment uh, as far as i'm concerned thank you so much top fan marv burton said i actually loved it really not a musician, but i thought this was really well done and very outside the box a 10 hmm, sounds like some other people on the podcast there marv thanks george house gave it a 10 by 10 just bought the soundtrack on iTunes. Love it. Corey Day said a seven. I'm not a fan of musicals. I like that they tried something new and it was fun. It just wasn't for me. They did work on a lot of character development as well. That's why I still give it a pretty high score. Top fan Joseph Cartogio said definitely a 10. I was skeptical when I heard they were doing a musical episode, but they did it beautifully and with a sense of humor about it. Loved it and loving this series as a whole. Brian Zeno gave it a 10. The Klingon part had me on. I had to rewatch that part several times. Thanks, Brian. Top fan Dan Arias said, I give it a surprisingly 8+. plus. It was funny, well-written, excellent talent, and emotional. I kind of wish they would have made it a, as a bonus episode. Still, though, it was really good. Thanks, Dan. Top fan Andy Rodriguez gave it a 10+. plus. I have one word, wow. Keep up the great work. Top fan plus one. I'm not even sure what that means, Jim. I've never seen that before. What does that mean? Top fan plus one. Is that like I double think that top means fan? That he like, he ex, he's like an extra, extra top fan because he's the only fan on our board that got that plus one, and I don't know how, but he, he got it. All right. Well, apparently, Richard Petrie, you, sir, have earned a top fan plus one on our Facebook page, which is literally something I've never seen before. And you like this episode. You gave it a 10 out of 10. You said incredibly well put together while still being awesome sci-fi. Live long and prosper. I will say peace and long life to you, Richard Petrie. It really means a lot to us to have fans like you that love our page and love our memes because Jim is literally relentless with his memes. It's pretty incredible. If you haven't joined our page yet, you really should because it's pretty awesome. Thank you, Richard. Top fan Ingrid Heckler said, I can't believe it, but a full 10 plus. I was very critical about the whole music and the singing, but it was great. Top fan Mimi Shields gave it a 10. Ethan Peck slash Spock and Rebecca Romaine slash Una surprised me the most beautiful voices great storyline david delgado gave it a 10 enjoyed the music and spirit storyline made sense top fan maria r garcia gave it an 11 which we of course averaged down to a 10 what a great episode soundtrack is on spotify 
I believe, Maria, it is on all the services. Thank you so much for your comments. And top fan Justin Roberts, uh, Robertson gave it a 10. This show continues to be a pillar of what Trek has meant to fans for years. Their willingness to trust the audience and play with genre while telling meaningful, relatable stories it is so rare these days and so, so appreciated, especially as a lifelong Trek fan. Thank you, Justin Roberts. Thank you so much for that comment. Top fan Jim Evans also gave it a 10. Amazing Klingons were the best. Top fan Walter Wurzberger gave it a total and complete 10. So very, very entertaining from start to finish. The cast stayed in character and delivered an integrated musical. Spock delivered a deeply emotional and vulnerable performance and remains stoic and aloof in the physical performance. I bought the soundtrack album and will enjoy listening to the original songs. Deborah Henderson also gave it a 10, though it would be cheesy, or thought it would be cheesy, but it was pretty emotional and fun. Marcia Speld gave it a definitely a 10, pleasantly surprised, and did enjoy how it wasn't just the Enterprise affected, really enjoyed this series. And finally, last but not least, top fan Rihanna McKenzie said definitely a 10. I was wondering if I would be able to enjoy it. My mom made me watch all the musicals with her. It was great, a joy to watch. Strong vocal performances from everyone. We even got character development. And why do I feel the casting was all having a rip-roaring good time, or the cast was having a rip-roaring good time doing this? Yeah, I felt that too. Would have loved to have been there on the set. Oh, and the Klingons, 10 all around. So, uh, guys, that gives us a fan score this week of 9.8, which I believe is right up there with the top episodes we've seen so far. I think it puts it in second place under, uh, under the Cloak of War, which was last week's episode that we reviewed. So, Jim... I, you know, just because this was like so out of the box in terms of episodes, I'm just going to challenge you really quickly. So how do we select these comments? It seems like this was all tens. Was that literally what was on our page? If, uh, so first of all, um, I, put the, <laughs> I put the fan scores and stuff together uh, usually on Friday before I come up to camp. So it's usually only the comments that we collect on Friday. We had over 500 and some odd responses to that question and surprisingly yes the majority of them were all ends there was a couple of zeros but the majority of them if you scan through those yourself you will see the majority of the fans that responded on our Facebook page over 500 of them loved it they were 10 9.5 you know very very high scores so, great yeah, that's very accurate Nice well, that's here, fantastic. So. I love it. I love that we're given – so I just wanted to bring that up because anybody who's listening to the podcast is not just that Jim's picking the ones that he likes. It's that Jim is picking a nice round average of what he sees on our page, and obviously we can't read the hundreds and hundreds of comments that we get, but we try and get a pretty good average. And so this week's episode was very popular, and I think I would say – the most surprising of any episode that we have seen so far in uh, modern Star Trek era. So before we start talking about the episode or doing any other cool stuff, we should probably talk to Charles about things that have come before us that we should have watched up to this point. Right, Charles? Let's do cadet training. 
Yeah. Well, before, yeah, before we do cadet training, though, there is one little little, little thing i got to get out of the way here first, and uh, that's something that's going on this weekend that Trek Talking will be involved in, and I'm talking about Trek Conoroga. So we have a quick spot to play here, which Eric was very, very kind enough to throw together for us. So here we go. Star Trek The Original Series Set Tour and owner James Colley are excited to announce that Star Trek Picard stars Jonathan Frakes, John DeLancey, and Brent Spiner will be headlining Trek Conderoga 2023 on August 18th, 19th, and 20th. Fresh off the highly acclaimed third season of Star Trek Picard, the stars will be leading tours of the USS Enterprise, participating in bridge chats and offering photo ops, autographs, and more. Treconderoga has quickly become a fan favorite, best known for its relaxed atmosphere. Fans can get photo ops, autographs, and attend celebrity guest talks. Small crowd sizes keep events easily accessible and personal. Panels and presentations cover a wide range of pop culture topics. Tour the painstakingly recreated TOS sets, which were built based on the original blueprints and detailing. Fans will visit the corridors, sick bay, briefing room, captain's quarters, transporter room, and main engineering of the USS Enterprise. Guides share behind-the-scenes information and explain how the original sets were designed and erected. The tour saves the best for last, the iconic main bridge where the adventure began. This is the opportunity to see Jonathan Frakes, John DeLancey, and Brent Spiner on the original Enterprise. There are a wide range of tickets available at multiple price points. For more information or to purchase tickets, go to www.startrektour.com. Thank you, Eric. That was awesome, and I apologize for having to change it on short notice, um, but you did a great job nonetheless. Um, So thank you. Um, and I want to let you guys know that, yes, Trek Talking will be there. Yours truly, Uncle Jim, will be there. I'll be doing a panel tomorrow night on Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and why it's the best Star Trek movie ever made, and that you should definitely check it out and give it another viewing. I'm also doing a panel on morning. I think it's at 10 about Michael Burnham, a modern Starfleet captain. So please stop by Trek Conoroga and Say hello to Uncle Jim from Trek Talking. All right, guys, are you ready for some cadet training? Let's do it. Take it away, Charles. Okay. As I know, somebody's got something coming up in the next section. One of the things immediately I thought about when a horror some of the music favorites out. Anything goes. And when anything goes gets played, I immediately think of the Fallout Studios. Star Trek Short Trek Q&A Season 2 Episode 1. We'll talk about that later. TNG's Unification, Part 2, Klingon Opera, Star Trek 2, The Search for Spock, we learn about some characters, TOS, What Little Girls Are Made Of, Season 1, Episode 7, 
We learn about Chaplain Corby, which we're going to be starting to learn about soon. Jim, I think you've got some trivia you want to do? Yeah, this is a brand new segment that I thought we could have some fun with. Uh, and again, Eric was kind enough to put together a little intro for me. And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys some trivia questions about this week's episode and see how well you paid attention. David, are you with us? Yep, I am. All right. I know you're not following the notes, but this one isn't a note. This is a, a trivia question. So, uh, David, one of my favorite scenes in Subspace Rhapsody, of course, were the dancing, singing Klingons. Who played the Klingon general Garlog in the K-pop boy band-inspired number? And that would be Hemmer. I forgot the actual actor guy's name, but it was Hemmer. That's, That's right. It's Hemmer. Hemmer time. A Bruce Horak. Awesome. Bruce Horak. And Bruce I Horak. Yep. That maybe we see that awesome general again, maybe. Anyways. So, Eric, are you ready? It's your turn next. <sighs> I'm going to give it a go, Jim. All right. Subspace Rhapsody has a new version of the series theme title. Who wrote the lyrics and music for the new version? Oh, man, that's easy for me because I was so excited when I heard this announcement because it was written by Kay Hanley and Tom Polche from Letters to Cleo fame. And I was a big Letters to Cleo fan back in like 1993. Tell me that Aurora Gory Alice isn't one of the best album names you've ever heard. Yes, yes, it is. And <laughs> I feel like the talented, uh, you know, uh, Melodic riffs have come through in this episode, and I'm so excited to be talking about Kay Hanley again after like 20, 30. I don't, I lost count about how many years ago that was. So, so thank you, Kay Hanley, for bringing herself back into my consciousness. Absolutely, you guys are batting a hundred so far. Paul, are you ready for a quick question? Shoot me, buddy. What you got? Oh, all right. Here we go. Uh, two cast members are talented singers. One is currently on tour in Europe in support of her first EP called Twin Flames, and the other uh, was Best Musical Theater Album Grammy for Alamo's Morris, Alamo's, Al- Alanis Morissette's musical Jagged Little Pill. Still working on the, the reading program, Jim. You're members. doing really good this week, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think I squinted while you read, and I think I was able to interpret the question. I believe you're referring to both the delightful Christina Chong and the incomparable Celia Rose Gooding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some musical talent indeed right there. And boy, I'm excited and to talk I, about I, I, those two. Like, there's no so tomorrow. Good. So good. Yeah, we're, we're lucky to have them. And I've got one for Charles. Charles, are you ready to take a crack? So far... My truck spurts are proving to be truck spurts. I'm here and ready. Okay. Subspace Rhapsody isn't the first time a character has broken out into song on Star Trek. Recently, a character on Star Trek Picard's second season did so. Can you name that character? 
That's a hard one, but I bet it's probably Agnes Girardi, played by Allison Pill, when she sang Pat Benatar's The Two of One. She she sang uh, Shadows of the Night, Night. Pat Benatar's Get Nervous album. Absolutely. Wow, my truck spurts are really kicking some butt here. Um, tonight. Uh, wow, you guys are truly truck spurt. I have a new truck spurt here. I have a question that I am, I'm going to ask to our very own Andy. Andy, you ready for a question? Oh, man, I did not study for this test. Uh, <laughs> so far, I've got, we got some you, of them brother. right. So. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm hoping for a softball. This is a pretty easy one. It's a pretty easy one. Um, and this episode, oh, the USS Enterprise. Yes, you got it. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew you knew it. <laughs> uh, All right, give me the real one. I'll take the real one. I can take the heat. All right. In this episode, three Katinga-class starships show up to seal the subspace rift. When does the Katinga-class starship make its first appearance in Star Trek? And you have to sing the answer. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, see if I can remember this one. Is it uh, trouble with dribbles? No, it is not. Damn it! Can I phone a friend? <laughs> oh, motion picture. Excuse me. Oh, motion picture, excuse me. Star Trek, the motion I picture. I the motion picture. <laughs> the motion picture love in there when I can, especially for my wonderful Klingon. <laughs> Eric, you ready well, to and Jim, uh, take a crack well, at one? Well, Jim, I would love to, but let, let's just talk. So that opening sequence that you're talking about in the motion picture, the Katinga, so the the difference between the Katinga and the D7 is that, like, the Katinga, I believe, is much bigger and has some more like armor and stuff that the that the that the other one doesn't necessarily have. So it's kind of you know it's always hard with Klingon starships because you've got the Cavort slash Burrell that looks exactly the same, but apparently the scale is somehow wildly different. And then you've got the the Katinga and the D7 that have a very similar body style, but apparently the scales are very different and they actually have different attack values and stuff. So it's a little bit of a, you know, a deep question to be asking about Katinga class starships, but they do officially appear in that amazing opening sequence of the motion picture, which I would argue is one of the best opening sequences of all time. I would agree with you. Yeah, and, unfortunately, um, I, I slept through Klingon starship schematics at the academy, so well, I'm no good. Well, you know, if we had invited Pavel instead of you, Andy, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> he might have known that one. Well, he's, he's a whiz well, I'm, when it comes I'm, to, to I'm only going to ask uh, questions that are specifically mentioned in the episode. I'm not trying to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. It was mentioned. Yep. Yeah, it was. They talk about the feature thing. As, yep. It was mentioned right there, so that's why I mentioned it. Okay, Eric, uh, it's yeah. your turn. You ready? You ready to take a stab at one? Yeah, okay. man, I'll give it a go. All right. When Kirk tells Laan that he's involved in a relationship with a scientist at Starbase One, Carol, 
and that she's pregnant, who is he referring to, and when do we get to meet her? <laughs> Carol oh, Burnett. Carol Marcus. It's Carol Burnett. Yeah. No. Jim. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was a softball. That's the one we should. You need to put Andy some whipped man. cream on that to make it more palatable. <laughs> Holy Christ! You can ask well, me how to rewire Starship engine. <laughs> I'm gonna guess, uh, deep in my memory, that that was Dr. Carol Marcus, who I believe we see in Rathacon, uh first time around. Am I correct? That's a tough question. I know. That, that's <laughs> the follow-up question is: uh, Engineer Montgomery Scott is from what country? <laughs> Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Similar difficulty level, just you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Paul, are you? Yeah. You yeah. Let's go on because. Okay, you got a tough one. This is a tough oh, one. Oh, good. I figured I'd be poking the bear here. Hit you me, got dude. Your thinking cap on, because I'll try my best. You know, I'm. I'm okay. You know, uh, Nurse Chapel accepts a fellowship to work with Doctor Corby. When does Doctor Corby appear on Star Trek? That's a tough one. Oh, okay. Well, uh, really, he's only appeared in one particular time, and that's in the first season classic episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? And we're talking about Roger Corby. Right, who and, has all kinds of secrets revealed in that particular episode. Probably, for me, one of the best first season episodes of all time. Really, really great. And I'm, I'm hoping that we uh, get to see Corby in maybe season three of uh, Strange New Worlds, which is set to debut in 2027, the way things are going. So. Well, isn't that, isn't that our first Android episode? Like, that's, I believe that's the first one that we get to see, like, oh, what for sure. androids look like in Star Trek, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> you get your, you know, skin of your arm peeled back, and there's, like, circuits and wires. And yeah. Stuff. Very, yeah. It's like the very 60s, very yeah. Jaime the Robot from Get Smart. I love it. Totally. So it's, yeah. it's good stuff, man. So, yeah, absolutely hey. great stuff. So the last question um, I was going to send out for David, but I think I'm going to I'm going to stick this one on Andy since he's our guest expert tonight, and he did so well with it, the Andy. Manga. He is doing You're great. Right. So this, this might right. even be a Pavel question. I'm not sure. We'll see. So uh, you ready, Andy? Okay, I'm ready. When do we first find out about Una's love for Gilbert and Sullivan musicals? And the clock is ticking. That was in a short Trek episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. With Spock's uh, first day on the ship, uh, where the he queue. got stuck in a turtle lift. Yes. Uh, and Q and A was the name. Yeah, there we go. Right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Nicely done, dude. First, Nicely done. Didn't even have to call up Pop for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. You guys did well. So now that we've got some trivia out of the way, let's talk about the episode Subspace Rhapsody. What do you say? You guys ready? Oh, I just have one question. I have one yeah. question. Why are we singing? But why are we singing? <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to. I, I want to start out. Uh, I want to start out with this one because. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it's hard to remember time when you get old, time melds together, but when they first mentioned this episode, we, we talked about it briefly. I think it might have been two weeks ago, 
maybe three. I'm not sure. It was a couple episodes ago. And I was like a lot of our fans, and I was very concerned and very weary about Star Trek doing a musical episode because I'm not a musical fan. And I said, you guys can go back and listen to what I thought on the podcast a couple episodes ago. And I've got to tell you guys, um, I couldn't have been any more wrong. And Karen loves to hear me say that, right, Karen? I'm never, never wrong, right, Karen? Yeah, you were. Right? You were. Uh, I think I, to be. You were I, a little curmudgeonly about it, man. You were. You were very skeptical. I think that's a fair was, statement, right, guys? Mm-hmm. I, I was very, very, very skeptical. Um, I uh, I was thinking people running around like a JG Wentworth commercial. You know, it's my cash and I want it now. But um, I got to tell you something. The writers. Uh, know how to write Star Trek, and this was like one of the most Star Trek, Star Trek episodes that I've ever seen. Um, it, the, the, they worked the musical into the episode so seamlessly and perfect um, that I didn't even feel like I was actually watching a musical. I felt like I was just watching Star Trek, and they were singing. That's how good it was. And the, song, re- the, song, remember, the songs that they sang were um where they weren't just singing running around singing ridiculous songs like launch the torpedoes launch them now no the the, the songs that they were singing were were uh, very driven there was a lot of development in the characters and, and it worked and i really and i've watched it three times already and it's, it's one of my favorite episodes and i have to take my hat off to the writers on this one because they hit a home run and a lot of fans won't watch it. And because it's not Star Trek and, and I got to tell you guys, you, 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 you need to watch it. Okay. Don't, don't, don't not watch it because you have a preconceived notion of what you think it might be. Watch it. And don't let other people tell you what to watch and what don't to watch. Go in and watch it yourself. Decide for yourself. Um, one of the things that, that swayed me when I was watching it was at the very, very beginning when they all started singing and Pike is on the bridge and he's saying, but why are we singing? Why are we singing? And they were singing a song about why are we singing? And, and that, one little, that one little scene right there pulled me into it being a Star Trek episode. The fact that they as characters realized that they were singing musicals you know during this event is what put me over the edge to like yes this is a star trek episode and it was spectacular and as one of our fans said the dancing singing klingons put it over the edge for me you know (laughs) when the klingons showed up and pike hails them and they're waving their necklace around, singing and dancing. I was like, oh, my God, this just became my instant favorite episode. So <laughs> I cannot – I'm not a musical fan, but I loved this episode. Kudos all the way around. I was so wrong. It was so good. And I had to get that out of the way. At the top of – but you guys are more musical – uh, people than I am, uh, so I, I'm sure you can be more technical about it. But I thoroughly enjoyed it from beginning to end, all of it. So I just wanted to say that. So 
who wants to jump in here? Andy, as our guest, do you want to jump in here next and and share sure. your thoughts? Yeah. On I really loved it. I mean, like you, I'm not really a musical guy. Uh, I, I, I've watched plenty of musicals, and I've enjoyed plenty of musicals, but it, I don't gravitate towards them like some, some people. And, and I was well aware of, of Buffy having done a musical episode, and I've, I've heard for decades rumblings of Star Trek fans saying, yeah, Star Trek should do a musical episode like Buffy. And to me, it just it, I, I never really could make that, that leap thinking, oh, no, they can't do that. How would they ever ground such an episode? How would it ever stay realistic and believable, things that we expect out of Star Trek? And, and Strange New World's proposing that they're going to do it. I, last season they mentioned the idea that they were all hopeful that they would do a musical episode. And then obviously this season, even at the beginning, they were saying it's, it's happening, they're doing it. And this show has been so good at at just, breaking out of the box and just being fearless and just taking chances that I didn't have any hesitation when they announced they were doing a musical episode. I knew they would nail it. And I was just thrilled by it. I mean, I thought, like you said, the songs were incredible. And I thought they, they, they found a way to make it believable. They found a science to kind of ground it all into. And the fact that they didn't just immediately go into big numbers that they started small with the, why are we singing? What's going on? Let's figure this out. And then the next couple songs were each little small, intimate songs. And as they start to realize that they're expressing themselves and that's what's triggering the music, then the songs start getting bigger. And then the, the big showstopper, of course, is necessary to seal up the lips. And so it was all done in a very Star trek way, which I loved. And as some of your, your uh, followers pointed out on Facebook, um, this was a very character-driven episode. I thought that was also a stroke of brilliance, the fact that this is what would have normally been a bottle episode, just pushing character arcs forward and giving exposition, you know, setting up uh, Dr. Corby for next season and, and the Spock and the Chapel break up and, and struggle for next season and Kirk and Laon and all of that character stuff that it would have normally just been, you know, the ship – dealing with some problem, and while they're dealing with this problem, they get paired up, and they, they all work through their issues. And, of course, Strange New Worlds is not just going to do things by the book. They're going to take what would have been a normal bottle episode and a normal character episode, and they decide, let's make it a musical episode, and we can still do all the things, accomplish all the things that we need to accomplish character-wise, but let's have fun with it. And I loved that. I thought that was incredible. Only Strange New Worlds would think of making their – what could have been a boring character episode into a, an absolutely amazing uh, musical number. Oh, and for anyone who didn't catch it, there was a Bunnies reference, which was a reference to the, the Buffy. Yeah, that was a Buffy reference because there's that whole number where about bunnies <laughs> in the Buffy episode. And I also loved the Klingon K-pop. <laughs> My wife, she, she squealed laughed. When, when they started doing that. And we had to back it up as well, just so we could hear the lyrics. That, that won me over, that scene right there. Uh, when Bruce Horak <laughs> comes on screen, and at first he's trying to be a big, serious, all gruff Klingon, and he's like, oh, oh, and he breaks into song. I was like, oh, my God. And, and something I want to point out, a lot of fans were complaining that 
you know, why were the Klingons dishonored? Because they sing songs. And the whole point was, in this particular scene, it wasn't that they were singing songs of glory and victory. They were singing about their emotions. And I, I get the feeling that Klingons don't run around expressing their emotions in song very much. I think their songs are more about slicing and murder and not so much about feelings. So yeah. And they were you know, also out of control. They, they were singing against their will, which is probably considered dishonorable to not be able to, to control yourself. Yeah. So I loved it. I want to see more singing, dancing Klingons. Please give me more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm, I'm giving it a 10. How about you, Andy? Yeah, I'm giving it a 10 as well. It was just, it was just so much fun. And, that I mean, I'll beat a dead horse with it, but Strange New World just seems to have so much fun. The cast, the crew, everybody involved, they're just geeks who just lo- love geekdom. They love Star Trek, and they are just having fun. And it shows, and it's infectious. Absolutely. And, Paul, you want to jump in here and share your opinion? Uh, happy to, man. Happy to. Uh, great point, gentlemen, uh, that you've made on here so far. But um, I'm just going to be as about as effusive as possible in my praise of this episode. Um, I think uh, the way you guys were describing it is just dead on. Um, This is a show, this particular season, you know, you want to talk about the, the, the specter of sophomore slumps, not on this show at all, because they have really taken some big swings and they have not been content to just repeat what they did in season one. They've done a lot of risky stuff. And two of the things that sounded initially when we first heard about him, you know, that seemed like the most like, oh no, was the, the crossover with strange new worlds and this one, right. Where I think a lot of people were a little skeptical of, of both those notions because they just sounded like they could so easily go wrong. And both of them were two of their best episodes without question. And this one in particular, um, you asked on the page today, Jim, to, you know, for folks to weigh in with their like their batting order, what was their favorite episodes of the uh, of the season? And I got to say, this one for me was number one. I just thought because it was so risky and so incredibly deftly handled. Um, you got to give huge props to Dermot Downs, who's the director of this, because he didn't just shoot it exactly like a Strange New Worlds episode. He managed to make it feel like one, but he shot each musical number in the style of the musical number that the song portrays right like i mean really really well used the camera just tremendously well for me i think the one i would point out that i just was the one where i was just my jaw was hanging open was the christina chong number when she's in her quarters yeah. the, how would that feel how would that feel yeah. oh my god i mean it was just the torch number song one. power ballad like there's no tomorrow and uh-huh. just she's the whole idea is but the through line for this episode was it makes you confess your innermost thoughts, right? Which is what happens in a musical when you just cannot keep your emotions inside and you have to be able to like, basically there's no other way you can express it because your feelings are so intense. And that's what that number was. It was absolutely a, a just a, a showstopper. She was incredible, absolutely incredible. And what, they did in that scene with that song is what they did throughout the entire the entire show was uh, you know like Andy and everyone was saying is very character driven stuff but not just character driven right it's like everybody had their 
their arcs for this season advance in this episode. If you didn't watch this episode, you missed a lot of growth, especially with Spock and Chapel and that relationship. You're not going to know what the hell happened if you missed this because some big changes occurred as a result of the dynamics that they all expressed with song on this, which was really unique and innovative and just really, really clever. And you're watching this show for the first time. I think most of us have probably watched it three or four times at this point, I'm guessing. But you're like, the first time I'm like, okay, well, how long can they sustain this? One of these songs has got to be a dud, right? And none of them were. They were all really, really strong. And when they were really, really strong, I would, I would say some of the, the songwriting was as good as anything you'd see in Frozen. I mean, in terms of it, just the, the orchestrations and the, the lyrics being really memorable. I mean, they were really, really strong. And, and, and I found the next day I was running off to, you know, uh, iTunes and just listening to it over and over and over again because they were really, really great. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of us were doing that, right? Cecilia um, Rose Gooding. About, about uh, you know, how long can they sustain this? I haven't checked the run times on every episode this season, but I did notice this episode is over an hour. It's got to be one of the longer episodes yeah. of the season, and they do sustain it. <laughs> Each song fits and works, and it doesn't feel like there's any filler or anything. Well, they could have lost that. No, it all just works. Perfectly. I mean, some of them were shorter and cuter, like the, the whole bit between Pike and his girlfriend on the bridge that was very, very brief, but it was very, very fun, and it fit, and, and it, I clever, like and it was different. It was great. Because you, you, it was Pike, fun. I, Anson Mount, I love Anson Mount, but I, my guess would, is that he's probably one of the weaker singers in the cast. And so they, they built a song that didn't ask too much of him, and he managed to keep his voice down and, and, and keep his register in, in an easy zone and, and sing a song that was fun and was memorable and had a good hook, but that wasn't asking him to belt out anything and, and really push his limits. Yeah, I it that, just that fit him. It done. fit as a character, right? It was great. Yeah, and really, really solid. Each cast member with a strong song that was perfectly suited for them. Yeah. So I just found this to be just completely delightful all the way through. I had a preposterously big grin on my face the entire time. And the one thing I wanted to mention also that for me was kind of a surprise, up until uh, this stage in the season, I've not been a – I don't wish anybody ill, but I've not been a really super big fan of Paul Wesley as Jim Kirk on this show. I've not. But something about his on what he did in this episode, I feel like he kind of changed that perception for me. I feel like he kind of got it in this episode. He was more charming. He was more grounded. I believed where he was coming from. Also was, check his speech pattern in this episode. It's a little different, isn't it? It is a little different, and it's a little more Shatner Kirkish. Yeah, and just his interactions with uh, uh, with Christina Chong, right? Those are beautiful scenes. They're really nicely done. Both characters advanced themselves quite a bit, and I just I don't know. I felt like I'm ready to give this guy a second shot. And I don't. Nobody wants a Shatner impersonation. Believe me. I just want to get a sense that this is the the charming, confident dude that that would be any iteration of Jim Kirk. And I felt like he was giving us that more this time. So I'm, a, I'm way more intrigued now um, by him. And he was great uh, in this, this 
scene, the singing scene with the with number one was just delightful between the two of them. So yeah, I mean this this, this was a huge triumph. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm putting it at number one on my list of the season is just because of the risk involved to take something like this on, you know, in, and do it in the face of a lot of uh, preconception and negativity from certain corners of the fandom right and uh, so for me huge triumph absolutely given this a 10 um i think they just they just nailed it and it's uh if you have not had the pleasure of watching this yet uh i would just say you're in for a tremendous delight it holds up so well on repeat viewings and it's just uh it's just ridiculously entertaining and if you need a lift you need something positive this is the thing, um, and it is absolutely feels like Star Trek. So uh, a wonderful prescription for what ails you. Um, definite 10 for me. And dancing, singing Klingons, what more could you ask for? <laughs> and the look of really? that Klingon man, he, that was one of the best-looking Klingons I've seen. He just, <laughs> the golden eye design With the eye patch and just the, with his face and just everything about the way, all the gold, man. These guys were so much gold, it was just hilarious. And just... I, I want to see that cling on again. At the next Star Trek Vegas convention. <laughs> nice. <laughs> totally. Totally. That was so but he was boring. great, man. And I, I, just, I love that they found ways to bring led, him back. I want to see him led by you, Jim. <laughs> Jim needs to add the gold eye patch. <laughs> I gotta do it. Yeah, man. It was, it was just so entertaining. I was just like, what a great looking Klingon, man. It was just terrific. And he's just it's indignant. <laughs> why don't you all why don't you only call me when you're upset? <laughs> why don't you just call me to yeah, say I'd something nice? Him become their official Klingon foil and see him come back next season. Yeah, so Great discovery, I hope man. So. But uh, but we saw so many good things from uh, from this cast and and you know everybody. I, I hope that uh, for everyone's uh, sake that they're able to settle all these labor issues in the right way and settle them in a positive way and do it soon. Because man, we don't want to have there be a break of more than a year uh, between getting more of this stuff. This is I feels like this is this show is doing so much good for the franchise as a whole and bring in so much, you know, uh, renewed enthusiasm and fresh perspective. Initially people were like, Oh, is this going to just be a redo of original series? And it's just kind of feel recycled. And I think it's a lot more than that going on here. And I think that they've proved that this season. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go with this, uh, this take on, uh, on the classics here, really excited to see what they have in store as they move forward. So yeah, wow. um, who wants to go next? Let's let's we have Eric? from David. He's David. Are you? Did you get your pizza? Or are, are you still available? <laughs> uh, I guess yeah, hi, David's... hi. Uh, I'm just taking care of my knees while I'm looking, listening to you guys. Um, is it okay if that's I go okay. last? Maybe that's Charles okay. could take up the. Yeah, that's um, that's next... fine. We'll let Charles jump in here. Go ahead, Charles. Okay. All right. I was kind of jumping in there when Jim was talking. It's like. I can quote Jim and saying, well, this musical, if they somehow incorporate aliens or something into it, which fits into the show, I might actually like yes. it. It's like, that's what he yeah, said. that's exactly what <laughs> I started to see. The, I started to see the episode. It's like, they did. They did exactly what Jim might threaten that they could do, and he'd like it. And I loved okay. it. Yes, you did. Yeah, and it okay. didn't. And Jim, I, I think the point was that it didn't feel like 
for example, the season four finale of Discovery, which also which also had to do with language and the aliens and that kind of stuff. This one had a fresh flavor to it, right? Yeah, this one was well done. Yeah, you know what? They were listening to me, and that's why they did it. I, I have an inside connection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> they made sure that it, it aligned with your expectations in that last week uh, before we that's right. reviewed it, for sure. Yeah, that's right. Very important. <laughs> Go ahead, Charles. Well, I went and listened to this episode on Thursday. As soon as I was, I would love to have this album. Mm-hmm. Friday morning, I wake up and it's like it's on all the platforms, <clears throat> including YouTube Music, which is where I get a lot of my music from. Came home yeah, from I'm work. so glad they didn't make us wait. Yeah, next day. Got home from work on Friday, hit play on it, listened to it. It's like, I want to go watch that episode again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gaming, so it's like, oh, I'm going <clears> to <throat> go and watch the episode again. I've seen the episode at least three times. I am going to say I've listened to the soundtrack at least a half a dozen times or more. And something I want to comment on the soundtrack, the songs. Yes, let's do it. If you get if you get the chance to listen to the album, the soundtrack, listen to those openers. Listen to how the song opens. Because a lot of these songs have a specific instrument that kind of opens them up. When you hear Status Report. You got some strings playing in there leading to the song opening. How would you feel? It has this great piano in there. And something I wanted to catch up on Paul's. When I heard her sing that, the song that immediately came to my head was Defying Gravity from Wicked. Another like power ballad. Another mm. power belt, but comparing it to one of the big musicals that made this thing so great, so so fun to listen to. One of my favorite songs in here is nobody's talked about this. I'm the X. Yeah, yeah. They start off with those. They start off with those drums, and Spock is so monotone in it. He is Vulcan. He is sounding like a Vulcan would sound. They captured him so well. For staying in character and singing, you know, with a great voice, but still absolutely nailing Spock. I mean, that is incredible. Exactly. Exactly. And then, and then for them to sit there and say, well, how do we end this? And say, like, oh, do we do a chorus? Like, no, rehearse this. We've got to go with finale. And We Are One leads with an acoustic guitar and some soft drums. And I just love how they open these songs. For somebody musical theater and to sit down and listen to how they... I usually love listening to the songs themselves. I was catching myself listening to the openings and how great, how fun the openings sounded how they kind of match with how the song led. (coughs) I guarantee I won't stop listening to that soundtrack for a while. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to go but back just, and listen to it. My kids were so thrilled yeah. when I bought it. They loved the episode, and they just wanted to listen to the album over and over again. Yes. And I was I was even back today listening to the album, and as we were starting our little chat before pre-show, I started throwing up some of the, some of the comments from Status Report. All systems – I forgot the term. All systems – Whatever and the apology for singing. I'm yeah, gonna do song that I really I'm... love is I love Christine Chapel's song in in the the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, but well, I, I mean, I'm I re- feel like I'm ready. like Andy. I next feel to the, like next that to the Klingon to me, song. I think that's the best next to the Klingon song for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, good. yeah. Okay, yeah, and well, if you that listen... one... go ahead. I was gonna say, and that one leads with a bit of a bass, a bass, a uh, not a bass guitar, one of the standing basses, just mm. thumping in there at his starts. But yeah, I, it's got you, such you a good me into another thing. You you caught me another thing I was thinking about. The fact is, you look at the episode and start realizing, look at the dancers they brought. Nesting away in sick bay, you've got these red shirts who are kind of just spinning around, trying to just trying to fix things in the wall, coming around spinning. They spin the scene, all of a sudden they're dancing away. Which I got to say, the red shirts have it much better on Pike's Enterprise than on Kirk's Enterprise. Yeah. On Pike's <laughs> Enterprise, they get to dance and sing, and on Kirk's Enterprise, they get blown up on planets. Well, and Charles, you're you're talking about the work of Roberto Campanella, who is a fantastic choreographer, and I would agree that the integration yes. of those red shirts and the way that that scene transitions from them kind of doing nothing to all of a sudden being activated by song was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I know you're going to keep me up, Eric, with even more comments about stuff I'm thinking of. I'm going to do something I rarely ever do with a Star Trek episode. I'm going with the 10. This one is a 10. Wow. Wow. The the pressure is on, Eric. The pressure is on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you know, guys, I don't think it's any secret that I was the one who was the most excited about this episode. I am a huge musical fan. I have seen dozens and dozens and dozens of musicals in my life. I, I have performed in musicals. I consider myself like musicals are literally part of my like identity. So when I learned that Star Trek was doing a musical episode, I got super excited. And I, of course, went back and, and as Andy was talking about, remembered the Buffy musical episode and I remembered the Xena musical episode. And those ones sort of like set the bar for, you know, can do with a television show uh, and it slash musical. I know that a few other shows have given it a go. I'll just say that for me, this one met literally all of my expectations. Um, it, it first of all, delivered pretty high quality songs. Um, there were a couple of songs right at the beginning that I, you know, I'll put near the bottom of my list, but then there are some that are absolute bangers. Like I will just say that the La'an song, How Would That Feel?, literally emotionally affected me at a 
deep, deep level when I first heard it, and I have listened to it over and over and over again since it came out. To me, that song is, as as Charles was saying, you know, defying gravity comparisons, um, you know, other uh, frozen comparisons from Paul, you know, with some of the great, amazing songs from that. Yes, absolutely right up there. And Christina Chong just knocked it out of the park. That, to me, yeah. was the number one song of the of the whole totally show. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, um, I it, I also think that the the group number at the end was really strong, and that the status report song at the beginning was really strong. Both of them sort of set the tone for the parts of the story that they were in. Status report was just it was just kind of about what was going on on the ship, and in any great musical, the first thing that they do is sort of introduce the characters. Well. They didn't have to do that in Strange New Worlds because we already know who all the characters are. So they can literally eliminate all the songs from a musical that would normally just tell you who the people are and that would describe what the scene is that we're seeing, right? Think of any musical you've seen. The first songs are always about the first people, the first scene. They can eliminate all that stuff. So what they're allowed to do is just jump right into what's going on. And so the action is, holy crap, you're on the Enterprise stuff's going on, man. There's like buttons and lights and, you know, stuff that you got to pay attention to. Um, so to me, that status report song was just a really cool way to kind of like ease us into this idea of a musical dominating what we receive for the next 60 minutes. Um, let's just continue with the whole like music theme. I mean, Let's be honest, Uhura's song, Keep Us Connected, was another one of the really big highlights of this episode to me. Um, she, she, it, it was like the way that the lyrics wove together her um, experience with her parents dying. Like, when, when we, have you ever heard a song that just tells you about how your family died on a shuttle and now you've got to, like, live alone and kind of rely on yourself uh, as you go forward with start. I mean, it just emotionally affected me really deeply. So, um, you know, it's, it's got that whole stuff. And then it's got the whole overarching concept of Uhura in the original series. And also in strange new worlds, she's developing into this role of keeping everybody connected, right? Like she, not only does she handle the communications, but she seems to be a conduit through which, other characters kind of relate to one another, which I think is just really special. And to me, that's one of the the brilliant brilliant parts of this particular song is that it works on kind of like those meta levels, right? Where you're like, yeah, keep us connected. Okay, she like wears the thing in her ear, but also she's serving that role in Strange New Worlds. And to me, that, that Chapel song, I'm Ready, and the Spock song, I'm the X, I don't know if anybody else picked up on this, but the melody that they sing at the beginning of those songs is identical. The Chapel melody yeah. is the same as the Spock melody. And so to me, what Kay Henley did with those songs was she said, okay, I'm going to take these two characters who start in the same place. They start aligned with one another. And I'm going to let their song start in the same way. And then I'm going to diverge how, you know, the music of the episode, how the emotion of the episode affects both these characters. And Spock goes one way. It's in like a minor key. It's pretty slow. It's a little bit lethargic, you know. And then the, the chapel one has a little bit more pep to it. To me, the pair of those songs, those songs, you can't talk about those songs separately. You have to talk about those two songs 
as a pair in this episode. Yeah, they're absolutely companion pieces. you have absolutely. to meld them together? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely should be melded together. Um, there are some really cute moments, like the moment that you know Pike falls down on his knees during private conversation, and then all of a sudden Laon pulls the plug because it's a security risk. Like that to me is just such a funny moment in this episode. So I loved it, and it fits with kind of the the je ne sais quoi of the episode, you know. Um, to me, the week I'll just end on, I guess, the downer. The, I, to me, the weakest song of the entire episode was the Keeping Secrets song, the one that Una sings to Laon. Um, I just didn't get that song, man. It was like it had a slow vibe, and it. I felt like the message of it to Laon was a little bit. I didn't get. I literally watched it three times, and I'm still not sure if she's promoting being alone or saying that being alone is bad. Like it just the. It's a little ambiguous to me. Well, so Keeping Secrets was the weakest I, song of all of them. I think. To me. I think. I think part of it is it's Una's song because Una's talking about how she's had to keep the secret about who she is. Yeah, being a lar. Uh, uh, and yeah. regretting it. And regretting yeah. that she's had to keep that secret. Okay, okay, yeah. It was it was it wasn't obvious at first, Charles. So maybe I should give it another listen. But I just to me in yeah. the group of songs that we got, that one was the weakest. But it didn't yeah, even I really felt like matter. Yeah, it was kind of almost like you know conf- confiding to Laon. It's just like you know I've had to do this for a long time and I kind of regret it. I don't think you should do, have the same regret. Right. Right. right? Yeah. That was why it was hard to read, yeah. Paul, because I can agree with the way that Charles read it, but I can also agree with the way that you just read it. So that, to me, that ambiguity there made it a little bit confusing, which is why, to me, it was the weakest number in the whole show. But I'll just say, I, I know I've gone on quite a bit, but, like, <laughs> the the numbers were amazing. Um, the character development stuff that everybody talked about was is absolutely true. Like, to me, that... that that this episode was made for people who don't watch musicals. They literally describe in the mm-hmm. words of this episode why people are singing the way they are, because people can only express their true feelings when they do it in song. And that's the thing that happens in musicals. And so as any fan of musicals knows, that will just like second nature to you. But as, as people who may not watch a ton of musicals or who may not love musicals, I think making that connection to your audience was one of the things that actually made this episode really successful. They just recognized that not everybody was going to be on board with this thing from the get-go. And if they address it, if they address that elephant in the room right up front, boom, all of a sudden people are going to be like, okay, well, you addressed the thing I was most concerned about. And so now I can be, you know, along for the ride. So uh, I loved it. I totally agree with Andy's comments on the arc of the soundtrack, how they started slow built the energy, ended it in a really cool way. They made non-singers shine, like Pike we were talking about in Anson Mount. Also, Babs uh, Luson Makun, uh, remember, he has that mm-hmm. one line about not mm. really liking singing or not <laughs> being a good singer. Yeah. And that was like his one line, right? Because <laughs> you can tell that mm-hmm. he just didn't love singing. So, <laughs> um, I... I, I this episode brought more joy to me than any episode of Strange New Worlds that I've seen so far. I would give it a 12, but I know we averaged those down <laughs> to 10s. So I'm just going to give it a 10 and uh, say, David, let us know how you loved it, man. <laughs> All right, David, man, don't let us down, buddy. Come on. 
Keep it going. Keep it Why going, are we not singing? Um, yeah, um, I'm really all the way up there with you guys. Um, I was surprised about this musical in particular because when I heard that it was going to be coming, like, what, they gave us a good week in advance or two weeks that the musical was coming, and I was like, oh, no. I just hope it's not any kind of like a a rap bubble or something that they come across. But, yeah, but (laughs) either way, I I actually enjoyed this particular episode a lot, and, um, I, I, I agree with everybody what they said, um, the whole idea that the musical uh, sequence that, like what Eric was saying, that it was just the same type of song uh, melody throughout the entire uh, episode. And um, to me, it really got stuck in my head in a good way, too, because, you know, the whole idea that you, you're going to want to watch it over and over again, maybe you get it on uh, some sort of... Uh, iTunes or something, you know, it just sounds like it could be a hit that if they ever did more, I would buy more. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, to me, I, I, I really enjoyed this. Also, um, did anybody else notice that in the episode, <clears throat> they kept looking up like they could feel or hear a song coming and all of a sudden they yeah. started bursting out in the song. Did anyone else notice that? Yeah, that yeah. was awesome. That yeah, I mean, that, is the, that to me was the acknowledgement of – that was like the fourth wall break. I don't know if you guys know what that means, but it, like in, in in a story or in a musical or a piece of theater or pretty much anything, when you when you break the fourth wall, that means that you make a direct connection between the characters that are uh, having adventures in the story and the actual audience. And so Deadpool is a great example of that, right? Like he looks at the camera and directly addresses the audience. And to me, that was the, the like semi fourth wall break for this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I like I, that. Yeah. Um, so to, yeah, to me, I, I was just like looking for a particular song that I thought it was pretty good. And actually this was one of the episodes that I firstly made a um, note to that I was going to talk about, but unfortunately I ended up getting a babysitting job, so <laughs> I, I'm not at my computer. So the thing is, is that the, the notes, I do remember one of the one of the things that I've written in there was how many songs they've sung throughout the entire episode, and I counted nine in total. Ten, of course, being the ending of the original theme after the bubble exploded, but I guess that wasn't really a counting as a song because nobody else was singing. But who else in in the podcast liked the idea that the original theme song came on at the very end? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. And when they list the songs of the episode, they actually don't list that one for some reason. They usually will list the beginning credits, which were kind of a weird to me overlay of the actual song from Strange New Worlds opening credits and then a voice version of it kind of overlaid over the top of that. To me, like that was why it was num- my number eight song out of the 10 for this episode because uh, the theme would have been so much cooler if they had just ditched the orchestra and only done it a cappella. Like to me, uh-huh. that would have been awesome. Just a cappella opening credits. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I say yeah. acapella. I feel like that's like a really pure way to hear those opening credits. So I would have loved to have heard that. <laughs> so, well, David, the pressure's on you, buddy. Come on, give it to us. <laughs> I just have one more. I just have one more uh, thing. When I was uh, well, watching, and they were talking about the Klingons coming up, and I was like, oh no, they're gonna have shooting Klingons, and of course they did. And I was like surprised and I was actually happy because I thought it was going to be bad. I thought it was going to be the the downfall of this episode for me, but it actually turned out to be really funny. And this, is, this will lead to my question for each of you. Out of all of the Star Trek aliens, which aliens would you think you would like to see seeing as the Klingon did? The Borg. Ooh, that's a good question. I would yeah, love the to Borg. see Resistance is futile as a Borg rap song. Resistance is futile. That's what I'd like to see. <laughs> All singing together in one chorus. Oh, man, that's a good one. Yeah, I feel like the, the Romulans could probably lay down some pretty, um, you know, um, spicy rhymes, like based on their subterfuge and their you know, cultural like <laughs> willingness to lie. So that could be pretty cool. <laughs> I want to see. Uh, uh, I was the Ferengi about gold was... press platinum. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> I was almost gonna start singing Andorian. But then I thought about a book I'm reading, and it's like Cardassians. Mm. I think we get an interesting little story with some, Cardassians. Some fascist raps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, if you guys already know my score, it's definitely a 10. Boom. So that's well, all I got. You know what? We don't even right. have to have Charles score this one because I think I think in Trek Talking history, I think this is the first time it's ever happened. Am I correct? I can't remember I a think 10. So. I can't remember. I think yeah. this is the first time ever that not only did we all score an episode of 10, but I think it's the first time ever that we all agreed on the same score for an episode. And that the fans rated it a 9.8 or better as well. Yeah, so what what does that mean? Um, that means it was freaking good. Why are good. we singing? Why are we singing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, we were talking about harmony. My wife and I were watching this again last night, and uh, you know, it's and she's a big fan as well. And it's just like you know, yeah, it was really great. But I think it also, when you really think about all the Star Trek you've watched over many, 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 many years, different arms of the franchise, I think this kind of rises up to like classic status. I really yeah. do. I think it's one right of the away. best episodes of Star Trek that I can remember seeing just because wow. it did something so different so successfully. I mean, it's so unique. So to me, it's a classic, man. A classic. I, I, I think it's going to go down in history. The best Star Trek episode. I, it's going to be right up there. I looked up something and saying, well, how did this song do? Especially iTunes is the one that usually does a lot of top scorings uh when this came out it it hit number one in album hit number one in soundtrack and five songs jumped into the top the top 40 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Dash report, Not I'm ready. Keep us connected. How would this feel? And I'm the X. Yeah. Yeah, I want to not... hear. Oh, <laughs> Go ahead. I want the I just... entire Klingon K-pop song about death with my back lift. <laughs> I want the whole I song. I want not an entire album. Of <laughs> I want an entire album. I want an entire album of Ethan Peck's velvety Vulcan voice because honestly, that just melted me when I listened to it. <laughs> His baritone is like. <laughs> Maybe he can do an update of Bilbo Baggins. There we go. There you oh, go. That would be sick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be Bilbo, sick. Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. You know what I want, though? I want to. I think we need Chekhov, a Chekhov musical. That's what I think we need. Well, I think Jim. I was going to mention this for years. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> there well, I was going to mention. I was just going to mention Kip that, like, Chuck never let us sing. <laughs> He's such a hypocrite. I saw him singing in Pike's missions, and he told us, other than the horror, nobody sings. Other than the horror. And for years, for years, I've wanted to go on a musical mission like Pike. I've even had a song all ready to sing. Oh, yeah? Would you what like to it? hear it? Yeah, I would, yes. Of course. <clears throat> all right, all right. Let me shake out the jingles. There we go. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> that was invented by, this was invented by, that was invented by, this was invented by a little old lady. Sure, it might sound a little bit shady, but no need for fussing. Just trust me, I'm Russian, and everything was invented by us. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm just starting, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work no, out. it's a good, it's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know. I think we got another video out. topic. I think so. <laughs> I, I've got another song, too. I only have the title of it. It's called I Hate You, Sulu. But I uh, don't have anything else to do that yet. Sounds like you're going to work out some issues on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's going to be full-on, like, grungy venting oh, stuff, you know? Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> so wait, Andy, wait. Well, uh, well, can I just well, ask, we're talking uh, Pavel, Pavel, can I just ask you, Pavel, are you, um, like, generally speaking, are you a little bit jealous of Sulu? Is that what I do? You know, heard in that comment? No. Uh, you picked up on it, did you? Oh, uh, I'm very jealous of him. He gets yeah. to fly the ship, and I'm just a glorified GPS. I mean, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> In the 21st century, they already had, like, how many? A dozen apps to do that job? And then it's like, okay, Russian guy. Yeah, yeah. You I, I... Navigator. <laughs> you know, we'll have you do the, 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 the GPS app. Mm. for the USS Enterprise. And I know they're just doing it to make me feel better, that it's really not a necessary job. And Sulu, he gets to be the hotshot pilot, and it really just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I I can imagine that, like, anybody who wants to sit in those front seats has that dream of the, you know, upper right-hand corner versus the upper left-hand corner. It's just not uh, to mention I just have to sit there and listen to him talk all day long. Oh, Demora did this the other day. Oh, Demora did the cutest little thing the other day. <laughs> and 
just makes me so sick. Oh, parents, am I right? Well, I'm sorry to mention this, Pavel, but he may also wear the bowl cut just a little bit better than you do. What? The bowl cut is totally a Russian invention. It was invented by a little lady with just a bowl and a pair of scissors. She had a dream to be a barber, and by God, she did it. I think the big problem is that we didn't actually get to see you, Pavel, shirtless the way that we got to see Sulu shirtless. And I think if we had, we would have all had that kind of burned into our memories. Do you not agree? I, I do. I, I get that. I mean, he was in good shape, and for some reason he was all oiled up. I, I didn't know that was a prerequisite <laughs> to working on the bridge. And you know, put on your uniform to make sure you're all oiled up beneath because you never know when the shirt might have to come off. Hey, Bubble, look at my shiny pecs. Uh, uh, uh. It's like, okay, come on, guy. So I, I never had... I never had quite the physique, and I never had the bottle of oil at the get-go, so I, I never got to take my shirt off, unfortunately. Equal opportunity matters, Pavel. That's for sure. I know. I know. But, you know, my big show was shoulders and up, you know. With this face, I mean, come on, right? <laughs> if I take off the shirt when the steak is right there staring at you, you know? Well, you know, one, one the of these days right we there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you do have a certain, you know, uh, look you that is not that. unlike uh, a certain uh, rock star uh, of the time as well. But I don't want to get into the whole, you know, monkey I know look, it's right? You know, you want to talk, yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. My look is, is over, over 200 years old. You don't have to say that. <laughs> Get with the time, uh, Pavel. You're embarrassing yourself, Pavel. I hear you and loud and clear. Uh, I might as well so. be drinking a, a tab or a or a Coke free. Or Pepsi free, that's the reference. Pepsi free. Whatever. Coke zero. <laughs> I, I don't know any of those things. I, I just I drink vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Vodka free. Andy, while we while we got you here, uh, when is your next Trek skit due out? I think we talked about it last time you were here, but I think we're creeping up closer and closer, aren't we? Yes. Uh, my next sketch, uh, Trek Sketches, is titled Lens Flare. Uh, Lens Flares, and it comes out on September 8th, Star Trek Day. Uh, and this is my first Trek sketches in the Kelvin timeline, the Kelvin universe, J.J. Star Trek. Um, and as the name implies, Lens Flares, uh, this is a uh, sketch deals with a uh, lieutenant new to the Enterprise who in a dangerous situation, Klingons attacking, everybody's life is on the line. It's up to him to save the ship. And, well, he meets an opponent an unstoppable opponent that he was not ready for, and that is the relentless lens flares aboard the USS Enterprise. Ah, bastards. Looking and forward you'll to have that. to tune in and see whether or not he's able to overcome them and save the ship. But that'll be September 8th. Uh, and you all, you can follow it, uh, join the watch list on my YouTube channel. That's at on September the 8th. Andy Bray TV. And yeah, September 8th, Star Trek Day. 
Uh, go to my YouTube at the Andy Bray TV, and you can also check out all my my social medias: uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads. For some reason, I'm at the Andy Bray. And we'll definitely put a link to that video up on our page as well as soon as it becomes available. So stay tuned. All right, guys. Well, I guess we're going to wrap up our conversation on Subspace Rhapsody because we do have some Star Trek birthdays. But first, we have this from a uh, supporter of ours. Fandom Fest is back at Proctor's August 26th and 27th. Featuring your favorite celebrities like Keith David, Alan Tudyk, and Todd Haberkorn. Join the cosplay contest, shop the vendor hall, feast your eyes on the awesome vehicles in the Geek Garage, and join in on a medieval adventure in the Dragon Dungeon. Fandom Fest has something for everyone. Come get your geek on at Fandom Fest, August 26th and 27th. Passes on sale now, starting at $35. Get yours today at fandomfest.org. Absolutely, and why am I playing that? Because Trek Talking is going to be there as well. You can find us in the main um, arcade, and uh, Uncle Jim will be doing a panel called Star Trekking across the universe. And because it's not a Star Trek convention, I'm just going to be talking about Star Trek in general, starting off with the cage and going right through to Subspace Rhapsody and just letting fans out there know what Star Trek has to offer. So you definitely want to check that out if you're in the area. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you can also find a link on our Facebook page as well. So please check that out. All right, guys, are we ready for some Star Trek birthdays? Woo! Let's do it. Was not a song. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we uh, do our Star Trek birthdays, but we always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week our first remembrance goes out to actor Charles Darwin Cooper. Charles Darwin Cooper was the actor who portrayed Cord in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. He also portrayed Kempek in the Next Generation third and fourth season episodes Sins of the Father and Reunion. Uh, Charles Cooper was also known as Detective Matthews in The Wrong Man, a 1956 movie, Cobb in 1989's Blind Fury. But he was probably best known for his recurring role of Judge Robert Boucher in the legal drama The Practice. So Charles Darwin Cooper would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday. Also, happy birthday to Laurel Goodwin. Laurel Goodwin was the actress who played J.M. Colt in the first, uh, excuse me, in the original series pilot, The Cage. Uh, Laurel Goodwin made her film debut in Girls, Girls, Girls in 1962, opposite, of course, Elvis, um, she only made a few more movies, but appeared in many TV series, and she was involved in her professional life with home nursing, and throughout her adult career would attend lots of Elvis Presley reunions and myriad Star Trek conventions. So Laurel Goodwin would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Laurel. 
Happy birthday as well to Jane Wyatt. She was the Emmy Award-winning American actress who played Amanda Grayson in the TOS second season episodes Journey to Babel and then again in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home. Uh, Jane, of course, came from a theater background and made her film debut in James Whale's One More River in 1934. She went back and forth between Universal and Broadway studios throughout her film career. And then in the 1950s, co-starred with Robert Young in Father Knows Best, that, uh, of course, very famous television show, the classic sitcom chronicling the life and times of the Anderson family in Midwestern Springfield. So Jane Wyatt would have had a birthday on the 12th of August this week. Happy birthday, Jane. Happy birthday as well to Stephen Brooks. Stephen Brooks was the American actor who played David Garovic in the TOS second season episode, Obsession. Outside of Star Trek, Brooks was best known for his regular role as Special Agent Jim Rhodes on ABC's crime television series, The FBI, from 1965 through 1968. He was also a regular cast member on shows like The Nurses, The Interns, and Days of Our Lives. Happy birthday, Stephen Brooks. Happy, happy birthday as well to Leslie Dalton. Leslie Dalton is the actress from Weymouth, Massachusetts, who played Drea in the TOS second season episode by any other name. Dalton went on to become a featured player on Dean Martin's 1970s variety show, The Gold Diggers, and she became a regular on the soap opera The Guiding Light when she uh, started that in the 70s and then portrayed a, that role until 1981. So Leslie Dalton, a longtime actress, longtime Star Trek character, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday as well to Willard Sage. Willard Sage played Fan in the TOS third season episode, The Empath. Sage was most famous for being in Dragnet in 1954, as well as The Great Imposter in 1961, and For Love or Money in 1963. His very final acting role was on the short-lived crime drama series, Banachek in 1974. Happy birthday, Willard Stage. Happy birthday as well to Jane Webb Edwards. She was the actress who voiced Lara and the Vandala female in the animated series first season episode, The Jihad. She uh, was probably way better known for her voiceover work in The Adventures of Batman, that 1968 animated series where she voiced Catwoman Batgirl and Barbara Gordon, of course, if you know the lore there. <laughs> she also appeared in the ABC Saturday Superstar movie in 1972. That was a, a thing that kind of started that was a one-hour animated live action TV movie broadcast on ABC that was on Saturday mornings. Um, that was the early 70s, so if you weren't there, you may not have seen it. She also was in the animated movie 1973's Treasure Island playing Mrs. Hawkins. Happy birthday, Jane Webb Edwards. Happy birthday as well to Jorgen Johnson. Lived to be the ripe old age of 91 years old, she was the actress who played Vice Admiral Gromek in Next Generation's second season episode, The Emissary. Yes, Jim, she was a good, good, good admiral. She was good. She was good. She was good. one of the ones. Uh, she actually uh, sent Picard on a top-secret mission to retrieve, guess who? A person that we just had on that podcast a few days ago, Kalar herself. That's right, from TNG's episode, The Emissary. Thank you, Admiral, <laughs> uh, for actually, you know, getting Kalar to us. 
Um, George and Johnson's uh, professional career lasted over 65 years and spanned through Broadway, live television, Oscar-winning films, and soap operas. She had a special specialization in portraying all-American girls, uh, kind of that classic housewife thing. So Jorgen Johnson, born 1926. Happy birthday, Jorgen. Happy birthday as well to Fran Bennett. Fran Bennett was a prolific film and television actress who played Admiral Shanti in Next Generation's fifth season episode, Redemption 2. And Shanti is actually one of my good admiral examples. Uh, if you haven't seen my panel, maybe go to the next convention I'm at. Maybe you'll see it again. But what was really cool was Fran Bennett, 17 years later, got to portray in the, the, uh, in the second season uh, of Star Trek, <clears throat> excuse me, in, excuse me, in 2009's Star Trek movie, she portrayed the second Vulcan midwife. However, you may not have seen her if you only saw it in the theater because her scene was actually cut. And you can only see the Spock's birth scene if you actually grab the special edition DVD or Blu-ray of Star Trek 2009. So I, I definitely recommend grabbing that. If you do, you will see Fran Bennett, not as Admiral Shanti, but as a midwife. Um, she also had some other roles she was signed up for in Star Trek, but uh, others got chosen along the way. But that's okay, because she has tons of awards and uh, all sorts of theater background under her belt. So happy birthday to Fran Bennett. Happy birthday as well to a titan of the industry, James Horner. James Horner is the Academy Award-winning composer who wrote and conducted the musical score for Star Trek II and for Star Trek III. And what I didn't know until today was that Star Trek II was actually his first score for a high-profile motion picture. So tell me that guy didn't hit it out of the park right away. He also appeared in a small cameo role in the Wrath of Khan movie as an enlisted trainee. Um, you, you, you know his music. I mean, he has over 171 music department credits and over 173 composer credits to his name. I mean, we're talking Braveheart, talking Titanic, we're talking Avatar. Look him up because James Horner is a titan of the industry. Um, what I didn't realize was that he was actually asked by director Nicholas Meyer to do the musical score for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. However, he actually turned down the offer claiming that his career had moved past Star Trek. And maybe that's true because <laughs> the guy has been on teams that have won 56 Oscars and has been nominated for Oscars over 92 times. So James Horner, uh, man, we miss you, man. Uh, we lost you back in 2015, born in 1953. Happy birthday to you. Uh, you really have a huge contribution to the Star Trek uh, universe. Happy birthday as well to Glenn Corbett. Uh, he was the actor who portrayed Zephram Cochran, Cochran, the original, in the TOS second season episode Metamorphosis. Uh, Glenn Corbett made his film debut in The Crimson Kimono and then eventually got some lead roles later in his career. He had substantial supporting roles in a few Jane, John Wayne movies and then stayed busy in the 80s, starring, co-starring rather, on Dallas. So Glenn Corbett would have had a birthday today. And our last remembrance this week goes out to Joshua Andrew Koenig. That's right, Andrew Koenig. If that sounds like a familiar last name, 
What's that? Yeah. Uh, that should sound very familiar. Um, he is the son of Walter Koenig. Uh, and Andrew was best known for playing, uh, excuse me, uh, Walter was best known as playing Pavel Chekhov on the original series. Andrew uh, played Tumac in the Deep Space Nine second season episode, Sanctuary. Uh, Walter Koenig, of course, was his father. His, actor, his mother was also actress Judy Levitt, who, of course, played many roles in Star Trek throughout the years, Star Trek IV, Star Trek VI, Star Trek Generations. And, um, <clears throat> but perhaps outside of Star Trek, uh, Andrew Koenig's best-known role is as playing Mike Seaver's, uh, a.k.a. Kirk Cameron's friend, Richard Boner Stabone, Stabone in the sitcom Growing Pains. Did you ever watch Growing Pains back in the 80s? Well, he was Boner. Yeah, he's that guy. He also wrote, directed, and edited his own short film, Good Boy, back in the day. Um, unfortunately, we lost Joshua uh, Andrew Koenig back in 2010. He sort of disappeared in Vancouver, B.C. for a little bit and then was later found uh, in Stanley Park, uh, and we lost him at that time. So a uh, real tragedy for the Koenig family. He is our last remembrance this week. Happy birthday and lots of love and remembrances to Joshua Andrew Koenig. And that was a ton of remembrances, guys. So Charles... Uh, let's see if we can fit in the rest of these pretty quickly. I'm going to pass this on to you. Okay, thank you. I'll try speeding through mine. I don't have as many as you did. Let's do a happy birthday to Jim Beaver, American actor who portrayed Admiral Daniel Leonard in Star Trek Enterprise's first season episode, Broke, Broken Bow. And actually, the character was actually named after Leonard Nimoy. Happy birthday to Bruce Greenwood, Canadian actor and musician who played Christopher Pike in Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. Well known for things like the St. Elsewhere TV show, Young Justice, and several DC animations. Happy birthday to Dawn Lewis. American actress, singer, and voice actress, and songwriter who voiced Captain Carol Freeman in Star Trek Low Decks. Composed a theme song for the sitcom A Different World. Also has voiced characters in Simpsons, King of the Hill, and the 90s Spider-Man animated series. She also performed a reoccurring role as the Barbara Conrad on, on Futurama where she played a character who is married to Lower Decks co-star Philip Lamar's Conrad. La Barbara. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday to Crystal Allen, who played Dinesh in Star Trek Enterprise's fourth season episode, Bound. Lou Wagner, happy birthday, played Solak in Star Trek's Next Generation sixth season episode, Chain of Command Part 1, and Cracks in Deep Space Nine's first season episode of The Nagus. Uh, Jim might actually rather like this actor, as he appeared in Planet of the Apes and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and also appeared in Chips. So, Eric, you want to do some living people? 
Absolutely. Happy birthday this week to actor Chris Helmsworth. And you think, well, that's Thor, but you may not remember that he was also George Kirk in Star Trek 2009. Happy birthday to you, sir. We really appreciate that role of yours. Happy birthday as well to Pamela Winslow. She's the actress who portrayed Ensign McKnight in the Star Trek The Next Generation fourth and sixth season episodes, Clue, In Theory, and Face of the Enemy. Happy birthday, Pamela. Happy birthday as well to Rong Fu, one of our new Star Trek stars. She's the Chinese-Canadian actress who plays Jenna Mitchell in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We love you, Rong Fu. Thank you for your Star Trek stuff. Kevin Teague also played the role of Henry Janeway in the Star Trek Voyager 5th season episode 1159. Happy birthday, Kevin Teague. Happy birthday as well to Barbara Boucher, actress who played Kalinda in the TOS second season episode by any other name. She also appeared in Casino Royale in 1967 as Miss Moneypenny herself. Thank you, Barbara Boucher, for your Star Trek contributions. And last on this list is Julie Newmar. Julie Newmar is the retired character actress who played Aline in the TOS second season episode, Friday's Child. Happy birthday, Julie Newmar. Jim, I'm going to pass this flaming birthday candle over to you, buddy. Yeah, it's burning down pretty quick. I've only got four, so I'll try to get through them pretty quick. We want to say happy birthday to Tori Webster, who played Ensign Zier in Star Trek Strange New Worlds first season episode, Spock Amok. We also want to say happy birthday to Laura Banks, who was on the show not too long ago. She was a riot. Check it out if you haven't. Uh, she's an actress, comedian, and author who played Khan's navigator in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. We also want to say happy birthday to David Benjamin Tomlinson. Um, he's a writer and an actor who portrayed Linus in the second through fourth seasons of Star Trek Discovery. It remains to be seen if we'll see him in season five, maybe. And last but not least, we want to say happy birthday to Juliana McCarthy, who played Mila in Star Trek Deep Space Nine's third and seventh season episodes, Improbable Cause, The Dogs of War, and what you leave behind. And what's cool about Mila is a good friend of ours by the name of Leslie Hoffman actually played Mila in What You Leave Behind. He stunt doubled her, and when Mila is killed by the Cardassians, that's actually Leslie Hoffman who's falling down the stairs and acting out that death scene. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to throw that in there. That's Real so cool. I remember. So. I always remember Mila. She has that great line where she says that she was never much of a cook, but she knew how to keep a secret. And that to me was like quintessential Cardassian. Yeah, that was that was great. So uh, that wraps up our birthdays, and now it's time for Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. Okay, Eric, I always like to start you off with this particular segment because it's one of our favorites. 
Well, one of our fan favorite uh, segments is called Shatner Says What? Because Shatner always has something interesting to say. But you know what, guys? This week, I might actually agree with him. That's right. UFO hearings ridiculous, says Star Trek legend William Shatner. William Shatner has called the recent congressional hearings on UFOs ridiculous, arguing that if aliens really had reached Earth, they would have made a much bigger deal about it. The Star Trek star, 92 years old, who took a trip on board a Blue Origins Shepard rocket in 2021, reacted to last week's bombshell hearings, which saw three military whistleblowers claim that they had firsthand encounters or knowledge about secret government programs involving technology that is, quote, non-human. One of them, David Grush claimed that he has evidence of a secret alien ship crash retrieval program and that he has been told by multiple credible intelligence officials that the U.S. government has recovered non-human aircraft that had biological pilots inside them. It's just in my mind. It's ridiculous, Shatner told News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas on Wednesday. You mean some highly intelligent beings that go 10,000 light years with advanced technology arrives here and hides? Doesn't make any sense. If something could reach the Earth, they would make a big to-do about it. My gosh, there's life in other places. So, Mr. Shatner, I share your skepticism. Uh, So show me the money, so to speak, right? Show me the money. Uh, And given... Yeah, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I just think that you know Shatner of all people, you know, really. Yeah. Could you imagine aliens coming down and meeting Shatner? Oh my God, they, if they thought that he was a normal human being, that would like the scales, wouldn't it? It, it would. It would. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I try to uh, pick news stories that I think each one of my co-hosts would be interested in. Um, so unfortunately. Uh, Paul had the book, so he's not here for his story, so we'll bump that one the next week. I also picked one for David, who's not here either. So, Eric, you want to jump in and do David's story? Sure. The Cerritos faces a new threat in trailer for Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4, arriving, guess what, guys? In September! That's very close. That's right. The new trailer reveals that Season 4 will arrive on Paramount Plus on September 7th just in time for Star Trek Day, also revealed that the first two episodes of Season 4 will be released on September 7th. Wait, two episodes? Is that what you just said? Two episodes on September 7th. Great. The new trailer may feel a bit familiar for fans of Star Trek The Next Generation. It has an announcer that is doing his best Ernie Anderson impression, the announcer used for early TNG episode teasers. It even pays homage to the instantly recognizable way he says, Star Trek. Paramount Plus also released a teaser poster for season four, which features familiar faces, including Bagdi and Talyn. Ah! I love to live. You're my favorite. The season's poster is fashioned after the corresponding classic Trek film. So this season being the fourth, it resembles the poster for Star Trek VI, The Voyage Home. Here's the official synopsis. In season four of Star Trek Lower Decks, an unknown force is destroying the starships and threatening galactic peace. Luckily, the crew of the USS Cerritos isn't important enough for stuff like that. 
Instead, Ensigns Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford, and Provisional Ensign Talin <laughs> are keeping up with their Starfleet duties, avoiding malevolent computers and getting stuck in a couple caves, all while encountering new and classic aliens along the way. Dude, does that not sound like an amazing romp? I'm in. That sounds good. Absolutely. I'm looking for Charles. You wanna you wanna jump in here real quick? Sure. Star Trek, the animated series, gets fiftieth anniversary comic. Plus animated promos featuring Riker, Quirk, and Saru. The two the new DAS themed comic tale from IDW Publishing is coming out this September. Star Trek, the animated celebration presents the Shimer Barrier, named after Lou Shimer, founder of the TS, TAS Animation Studios Filmation. Written by Casper Kelly, the comic will first arrive digitally in September with physical copies available at the ID, IDW Publishing booth in New York in October. CBS Studios will also be producing a series of animated promo promotional spots to celebrate the show's golden anniversary, featuring characters from later trick series in the animated style uh, art animated series art style coming later in 2023. Jonathan Frakes, Will Riker from Next Generation, Armin Shimmerman, Quark from Deep Space Nine, and Doug Jones, Saru from Discovery will be reprising their roles for this animated sequences. Neelix from Star Trek Voyager will also make an appearance. The TAS, the TAS and Spider Spots come from Adult Swim and Star Trek Shorts contributor Casper Kelly. Thank wow. you for bringing back good. Neelix. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Neelix! <laughs> Neelix is one of those characters that, like, nobody loves, but, like, I love Neelix. I don't know. He's got a special place in my heart, so I'm I'm loving that he's coming back. It's so cool. I'm looking forward to that. So I, we actually made it. We had some other stories, but um, uh, we'll bounce those back next week. That's fine. So uh, I want to – I just want to say that have you guys heard the brand-new Fallout uh, boys version of We Didn't Start the Fire? No. Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. So our yeah, yeah, I thought that was, I mean, they stole our idea, Eric. Can you believe it? Did they really? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I got all this. Oh, my yeah. God, they did. I just looked up the lyrics. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we should copyright that. <laughs> my, my daughter loves that song. She, she loves that song. And I I'm like, that's not their song. Well, that's, that's our song. I think, I think it's time maybe for a new Trek talking theme. I mean, we've been running this one for a couple of years. So you and I got to put our heads together and figure out what's next, brother. I, I've got but why are we singing? Ooh, why are we singing? Talking, talking about <laughs> Trek, tr- 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 Trek talking. There you go. Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I wow. love it. <laughs> Well, anyways, guys, we had a lot of fun, and we got through Subspace Rhapsody. Everybody got a chance. It was the first time we all scored an episode of 10, and we all scored the episode the same. So, we, we, we wow, that's awesome. 
I want to apologize for Monday's show we were supposed to have on Josh Dirksen. We were going to talk about Star Trek Alliance and Star Trek Discovery Black Alert. Blog Talk Radio had uh, technical difficulties. We could not do that show. So we have rescheduled that show from Monday the 28th. So I apologize for that. So I want to take this opportunity to say thank you to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us, as well as David and Eric, who have both uh, had to leave. So thank you to all three of you guys for making the show possible. I really appreciate it. Also, thank you to Charles for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to getting this episode. And, of course, we couldn't do the show without our very own Andy Bray, who took time out of his very busy schedule to hang out and Trek talk with us, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you guys for having me. I always have a blast in the show, and I always love talking some Trek. (laughs) Trek talking is great. Up there is Eric. Eric is back. Thank you so much, Eric, for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Absolutely. I had so much fun with this episode, guys. You know I was so excited about this, and I love that it came out on top. Oh, that's so gratifying. I can't wait to talk about the finale next week. Yeah, it's going to be gorn-tastic. <laughs> that might be an opportunity for Andy to revisit his Gorn episode, I think. Maybe. Oh, you know oh, what I did? I wanted, I wanted to mention this to you guys. You remember when we did, I think Andy joined us on that show, when we did that Gorn show about oh, why the yeah. Gorn looked different? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yes. I, I put an article on our Trek Talking page. One of the producers of Star Trek Strange New Worlds said that we have yet to see a a, a full adult Gorn. And yes. he said that the Gorn, are you ready for this? The Gorn yeah. are like a hive, like an ant hive, and that there's Dude. different casts of Gorn. We nailed it. And didn't we come up, didn't yep. we come we up nailed with it. that on our podcast? We yeah. nailed well, we it. So listen to the Gorn episode. This is exactly what we said. listening in on you. Yeah, yep. I think this, this pretty much solidifies it. They, they're they're listening into everything you say and do. I love it. That's so cool. I thought that was great. So, uh, so there are different casts within the Gorn hierarchy, and yep. you know the one that the Captain Kirk fought was not only geriatric, but he was a different cast mm-hmm. of yep. Gorn. So, uh, hopefully, they'll explain that in more uh, length and detail next season. But I was pretty excited when I read that article because that's pretty much what we came up with on our show so yeah. that's pretty cool information so there you have it so uh we're going to be talking about the season finale next week so you guys definitely want to check that out if you're going to be at truck conderoga this weekend or fan of fest next weekend please stop by and say hello i would love to meet you and maybe if you're nice i'll let you touch my bat lip. you never know you've got to be nice about it uh, eric has handled my bat lip, correct Yes, yes, and uh, it's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a nice bat lift to wield, I will say. Yes, yes. You guys can come and experience my bat lift firsthand yourself. All right, guys, so that pretty much wraps it up. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys. We wouldn't dream of doing the show without you guys. Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe it. Please, everybody, and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. I help. Live long and prosper. Good night.
Let's see what's out there. Engage. Thank <laughs> you.